let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of conducting these studies. We ask for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to give us wisdom and instruction and help that the message presented today will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, I Came Not to Send Peace. And our passage for this study is Matthew 10, 34 through 36. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Okay. Pretty blunt. These words are in red in my Bible, indicating that they were spoken by Jesus, which you could see if you, if you go all the way up to Matthew 10, verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samarians enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, and he spoke about all of this, and then um, then he says, after he tells them all the things that will happen, he says in verse 22, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Talks about when there's persecution, and how we should flee, and, um, and then he told them, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Okay, and this is not talking about the second coming. This is talking about Jesus following them in their ministry. And then he mentions the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So he tells us, don't worry about it. Don't have any fear. Um, be prepared to confess me before men. I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. And then in verse 34, he says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. That's a very interesting statement for Christ to make, given that he is the Prince of Peace. And we know that when he comes the second time, <laughs> there's going to be less peace that he's bringing when he comes for the second coming. So why would he say that he came not to send peace, but a sword? 
One of the principles that the Bible makes plain to us that we should always be cognizant when reading the scripture is that God often pronounces what will be without necessarily pronouncing or without necessarily indicating what his intention is. And some of that has to do with the sovereign will. He's going to accomplish what he needs to accomplish over time. And some of the path, some of the method will be straightforward and some of it won't be because we're dealing with people who have freedom of choice, right? When God operates on this planet, he's operating where he does not violate our freedom of choice. We're getting to choose, we're getting to stand up for him or oppose him or be ambivalent if we think there's a a third option. And along the way, he has to allow the principles of of the kingdom of wickedness to be manifest so that nobody can say they didn't understand. They didn't realize what they were choosing for or against. So some things are going to happen and... Those things that are going to happen have been prophesied, so they are definitely going to happen. But we should be careful what we suggest that God wants to have happen in a generic sense, and what we recognize that he is classifying as it will happen because it's been prophesied. I've seen it. It's going to happen. I'm not going to exercise my power to prevent it from happening. Therefore, it will happen. And I will use it to my name's honor and glory in some way, shape, or form. The Bible tells us we're given the promise that all things work together for good to them that love God. doesn't mean that all things are good. It means that they all work together for good. The enemy is trying to do things. God is trying to do things. God allows the enemy to get certain things done. But we have to be very careful the conclusions that we come to because some of those conclusions might not harmonize with with the character of God. As an example, we've done a number of um, presentations on the book of Job. And in the book of Job, we see that Job is living and, and he's living faithfully to God. He's praying for his children. He is clearly representing God and the Bible seems to indicate that he's the only one doing so at that point where he lives and when he lives. And so there's a meeting in heaven and there's a discussion about the earth and God brings up, um, God brings up Job and Satan says, yeah, I've seen him and some accusations fly and God says, okay, sure. You believe, you have asserted that this is a particular way. You now have an opportunity to confirm your assertion. And so Satan is allowed to do things. Now, clearly God is the one who brings up Job's name. Based on the response, though, Satan is not oblivious to the situation with Job and has been trying to do things to Job. And we can see that because he says, has thou not put a hedge around him? How would you know that a hedge was around him? if you weren't trying to get to him and failing, right? So God knows that Satan is after him and God chooses to to mention him 
And God does all of this knowing where it's going to go. Like, don't think that God didn't know what Satan was going to ask and what he was going and what God was going to allow him to do. So God knew it. But I would be highly reluctant to suggest that God wanted Job to go through affliction and therefore orchestrated that. It's true that God knew that that would happen. It's true that God's um, glory was manifest in that. But I'd be careful how I went to that next conclusion, which is since God knew it would happen and since God, it worked out to God's honor and glory and to Job's benefit, that God orchestrated it so that it would happen to Job. Because if you take that to its logical conclusion, then God desired Adam and Eve to fail their test so we could go through this whole thing, right? And you really have to be careful with that. You really have to be careful with that. Because if God is not willing that any should perish, the easiest way to have no one perish was for Adam and Eve not to fail. Right? We need to look at situations when we study the Bible and we study Bible stories, we have to be very careful to look at situations in their full context all the time. And by full context, I don't just mean passages before and passages after, verses before and verses after, a couple of chapters ahead, a couple of chapters behind. No, I mean in light of what the Bible represents and in light of who God is, be careful what you conclude about a specific verse or chapter. Make sure that your conclusion in any given portion of the Bible does not violate principles and and conclusions about who God is or what the Bible presents to us in other places. Right? We are not allowed to come to a conclusion in one chapter that's invalidated by things in other chapters. It's very important. So when Christ says here, think not that I'm come to send peace on earth, I came not to send peace but a sword, he's not saying I wanted to see conflict, so I came on this mission to orchestrate conflict. That's Satan's job. Satan comes to interfere with things that are peaceful and create problems. God has never entered a peaceful situation and and sowed dissent, right? He frankly abhors that. Now, God has come. Christ came to a situation that you could argue was um, was not in active conflict in some ways, and he introduced more. But look carefully. Look at what it says in verse 35. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So you could look at that and say, well, there was a household that was peaceful, And now Christ comes and that household is in disarray. Therefore, he introduced conflict. But if you understand, I want you to understand two things. First thing, Christ comes to bring truth. If Christ brings truth and that creates conflict, it means that the people that it has created conflict with were not in truth, A, And B, don't desire truth. Because if you're in error and truth comes to you and you accept it, there's no conflict. Right? There's a change in your behavior and your direction from where you used to be to where you are, but there's no conflict. 
But if truth comes to you and you fight against it, you will also fight against those who accept that truth. If you look around the world today, there are lots of times where various topics come into public discourse. And many people are prone to say, oh, why are you bringing up this conflict? This conflict divides us. But it's not the conflict that divides us. It's not the discussion that divides. It's not the information that divides. You're already divided. You're just silent on the matter of the, of the division. Right? The absence of conflict does not necessarily imply peace. Right? A truce is the absence of conflict too. But a truce implies war that's just not active. We need to understand that peace is a positive quality, not simply the absence of conflict. Because there are any number of reasons for conflict to be absent from a circumstance. What Christ is saying here in this passage and what the word of God brings, what the good news of the gospel brings, is it brings enlightenment, it brings truth, it brings recognition, it brings a call to action. Not everybody likes what the gospel brings. Not everybody likes what God is asking for. Not everybody likes what Christ represents. And because they don't like it, those who embrace it will be in conflict with those who reject it. And God knows that not everyone is going to accept the gospel. Christ knew when he came and he told his disciples to go out there that not, not everyone was going to embrace it. If you look in the book of Acts, especially Acts chapter 13, you see the gospel preached and you see everybody accept it in a particular area. And the Gentiles come and say, hey, could you preach those same words to us again next Sabbath? And the next Sabbath, the whole city comes out. And the Jews, many of whom had accepted the gospel message the week prior, are now offended at so many outsiders accepting it. And conflict is introduced. When we read Matthew 10, 34 through 36, Christ is not saying, I have come with the objective of setting conflict in motion. No. He has come to set truth in motion, to present truth. But he knows that that will not be accepted by all. And when there is a rejection of truth, there is conflict between truth acceptors and truth rejectors. Right? It's very rare for information and truth to be brought to a, a group and some people say, okay, I accept it. And other people say, well, I don't. And everything just continue on, especially not the gospel truth because the gospel truth is a changing truth, right? It's not just, it's not as though somebody comes to your table and says, hey, listen, did you know that the sun was 93 million miles away from the earth on average? 
And some people are like, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Okay, I, I, I get that now. And other people are like, no, I still believe that it's, you know, that it's 50 million miles away. Okay, so that truth, that information has no impact on your life. You are probably still going to be able to hang out with people who believe differently, and it's not going to have any kind of, um, of impact on your relationship. But the truth of the gospel is not like that, because the truth of the gospel permeates everything that we do. As a result, when you accept the gospel, what you do, what you say, how you behave, what your goals are, what your focus is, what your purpose is, changes. Not only will that change be incompatible with what other people are doing, but it will bring silent rebuke in many cases to what other people are doing. And as a result, they're not going to want to, to deal with you. And in some cases, they may be annoyed at what that change represents for them. Christ did not come with the objective of creating problems, but he knew that as he brought the truth, the sanctifying truth of the gospel to hearts, there was going to be tremendous acceptance and violent rejection because those are the only two real options at the end of the day. What we have to decide is which reaction will we take? Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this instruction. We thank you for this message in uh, the book of Matthew chapter 10, which helps us to understand the call that you have for each and every one of us and the warning of what that call will bring and the encouragement that if we endure, we shall be saved. Please help us, Lord, to endure by your, by your grace please help us to accept your gospel and to share it with others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcast, where my brother and I study God's Word in a discussion format. Both of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you normally obtain your podcasts. We ask that you keep these podcast ministries in your prayers, please. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.